Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Patra, joined by none other than Harris Grimani here to break down this Monday nine-game card. It is February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day to all. Happy, I don't know if I'm allowed to say uh, the SB after it takes place. I think you could. I think you could say Super Bowl after. I don't. I, we're going to try it. Uh, normally, you're supposed to say big game. Uh, but it's already taking place, so hopefully everybody had a great Sunday. Got to sit back, enjoy that. Uh, have a cold one. Have whatever you enjoy to watch the game with and spend some time with friends and family. Harris, I know you were out there crushing the cricket field, but uh, how was your overall weekend? Ah, can't complain. I mean, so the cricket was actually on Saturday. Today was oh. uh, soccer. Uh, to be able to get the playoffs on that. But yeah, just uh, it's a good weekend to be able to get back out there, especially after I messed up my back last weekend. Felt good to totally feel uh, right up to it and actually go and get some games in. And thankfully, we did quite well. So hoping that uh, next weekend when we have the second round of these playoffs, we can go all the way. I like it, man. You're just a multi, multi-sport multi gentleman. Uh, <laughs> I was two in my heyday. Mediocre at best than most, but I was uh, elite backyard sports person so you name it like wiffle ball and spike ball and everything like that i mean i'm, I'm probably going to go in the first round uh but I, I played on a couple of my high school teams but i was uh i was in a division three two one i was none of the above uh just very good at like rec league and good enough to play but <laughs> that's enough of that man we got nine games to talk about it looks like it's gonna be a pack slate uh this is kind of like right in my wheelhouse usually i'm like a six to a six to eight and nine's not too far off uh, so I'm really looking forward to this slate. So we're going to jump right into stuff. But before we do, quick shout out to Thrive Fantasy. Guys, come prop up with us over at Thrive, uh, Thrive Fantasy this NBA season. Thrive is the number one daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. You've probably heard me say it a bunch of times. I'm going to say it one more time with Thrive. You eliminate the countless hours of research. Focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 of 20 available player prop bets to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of a prize pool. Thrive has awarded over 50000 guaranteed prizes every single week and over $6 million so far. So when you sign up, head over there and use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. First game of the night, my friend, Detroit Pistons traveling to Washington, taking on the Wizards for the injury report. Luca Garza, Frank Jackson, Saban Lee, Isaiah Livers, Chris Smith all rolled out. And then the Wizards, we know da- uh, Daniel Gafford is returning to conditioning. Looks like he's out of the protocol, uh, but not playing. Bradley Beal out, and then Chris Stops not ready yet. For a game total line, let's see what we got looking at over here. Looks like we're starting to come in at 218.5 with Washington being favored by 4.5 points. I will pass it over to you to talk about this Pistons team. Yeah, and the biggest thing with the Pistons is that Cade Cunningham finally came back after uh, 10 days off with his hip soreness. Probably still on a minutes restriction, only played 22 minutes in the first game back. It was a blowout loss, so never know whether that is, in fact, the reason why he didn't get the kind of minutes we expected. But 7,400, I mean, it's an interesting spot to be able to take him. I probably will avoid it just because of the fact that, you know, I just don't expect his minutes to be up there. Uh, really, the only guy I've been trusting on a consistent basis for the last little while with the Detroit Pistons has been Isaiah Stewart. Uh, plain and simple, he's been getting consistently into that 30 minutes mark. I don't expect that to change for the remainder of the season. Uh, pretty much getting a double-double every time he's out there. Uh, anywhere between 
You get a little bit of uh, variance, but anywhere between 25 to 37 in the last five games, which gives him a pretty solid floor at 5,500. You can't really complain too much about that. He's pretty much taken all of Kelly Olenek's lunch. You know, he's pretty only playing about 18 minutes a game now, so that means Isaiah Stewart is there, ready to go ahead and feast. So out of all these people, that's who I'm going for. And if you do have a little bit of interest in uh, what uh, what uh, Hamido Diallo's been bringing in the last couple of games, Again, his minutes can be up and down, but even with Cade back, he still got up to 27 minutes at, at anything sub 5,000. It's not a bad spot to be able to take him. You know he can get hot. In two of the last five games, he's gotten close to 40, so you know, it's a nice spot to be able to get him when you can. I agree, and I agree. Those are the two guys I had. Maybe even throw a little Jeremy Grant sprinkle in there. Uh, anytime I think the game could stay close, I'll take a stab at him as well. There's just another guy that we'll get to later in the slate, Price Dreher, similarly, and I think that's like the theme of the night. you got two good options almost in every single price range, almost at every single position. Uh, so it makes, you know, good pivots, but it also makes it tough. Uh, you know, you, have, you really have to make some decisions. But on the Washington side of things, Kuzma's all the way up to 8600 now. That's a hefty price to pay for Kyle Kuzma. Now, granted, he's been getting the usage. He's been performing well. Everything's been going his way. He's even been dishing out assists over the last two games. But I don't think I'm going to be paying that 8600 uh, I think that when I'm looking at that, you know, get creeping up on that 9K range, there's a lot of other options. So I wouldn't fault anyone if they did want to go that way just because of nothing's changing. The usage will continue to be there for him. It will continue to crush. Uh, so if you want to go that way, you will not hear a complaint from me. But for me, it's going to be all these ancillary options. Uh, it's going to be taking stabs at, you know, I, I, I assume Ish might end up drawing the start eventually. He didn't in that last one. He came off the bench. Raul Neto drew another start. But whoever's starting at this point guard spot, I have interest in. Right now, it's looking like Neto. He has point guard, shooting guard eligibility. He's 4,400, and he's played at least 28 minutes over the last two games. I'm good with him. I'm good with looking at Denny if you need value at 42. I think I prefer to play, you know, Neto over him, uh, but I wouldn't mind looking there. And then I also even think if you wanted to get a little, uh, little cute you can always look at thomas bryant he hasn't really uh seen the minutes limit get lifted yet still playing right around 22 minutes a game 20 minutes a game but he's a fantastic point per minute producer 4500 he's paid that off over the last two games i don't mind taking a stab at him as long as porzingis remains out so those are the three guys i really have interest in fair enough although i was, I was waiting for you to mention uh cory kispert who's really where i've been kind of uh, going for the last uh, couple of games. Now he did quite well in the last one as well. And it was all about the minutes for him. He's pretty much been the primary beneficiary of uh, the trades that ended up happening as well as uh, Dinwiddie being gone, Bradley Beal being out, got up to 36 minutes in the last game, has shot between 13 and 16 game, uh, 13 and 16 field goal attempts in the last two games that he's gotten. And honestly, if it was in that first Brooklyn game as well, if it wasn't for him shooting an absolute stinking 15%, he would have been uh, at about the kind of stat line he got the next game as well. So uh, out of all those guys, I actually prefer Corey Kispert. He got six assists in the last game as well. Got a good amount of usage. Got a chance to get a little bit of watch on him as well. And frankly, he's their rookie. So for all that Washington has to play for, which is a whole lot of nothing, and with Porzingis still being out, I'd rather go with Kispert over any of those other guys. And Kuzma is still in play. I just, as you said, the 8,600, there's just better options that I'd rather go for. Yeah, and I wouldn't fault you to going to Kispert. I've seen plenty of stinkers from him. Granted, now it is a new situation. Like you said, he is seeing increased usage. Um, I just... Not a guy that I'd like to chase, I don't think. And I don't know if it's necessarily chasing. I may be wrong on this, and you're probably right. Uh, I just want to go to where I know the ball is going to be. And it seems like right now, I know that if Thomas Bryant's in minutes limit, it might just happen overnight where we don't even hear about it. If he gets bumped up to like 26 or 27, he's going to smash that price tag. And Neto, just a guy that can rack up steals, never a high scorer, 
but he's one of those weird guards where occasionally he'll shoot seven to nine on the night. And, you know, this is a great matchup for pretty much everybody. But all those value plays, I, I'm glad you mentioned Kisper, are definitely in play. Uh, next game, Sacramento traveling to Brooklyn, taking on what used to be the Nets. Now just who knows what they're looking like at this point uh, because it is a home game, so they're going to be without Kyrie Irving. They're going to be out without Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, no Ben Simmons yet. James Johnson's questionable. And then the Kings, Terrence Davis is out, and then Jeremy Lamb is questionable. Everybody else looks like they will be good to go. 224 game total. Sacramento is being favored by four here. Talk about them Kings. Yeah, and the Kings have looked really good in the last two games since the uh, trade deadline has come. Regardless of uh, whether they should have given Halliburton or not, it's clear that the shrinking of the rotation and the focus on De'Aaron Fox as a primary ball handler, having Sabonis as an outlet is working out quite well for them. Uh, in the previous game, I was a bit surprised with uh, Davion Mitchell's minutes. You know, he, he burnt me a little bit because I've been so high on him for a little bit, but he only played 20 minutes in that game. I uh, will have to see what his minutes total looks like going forward, but I do continue to like him at that 5,300 price tag. I do think he is uh, going to be, if not you know, the primary guard off the bench, probably should be starting, but they seem to like Justin Holiday there. Regardless, the usage is there for him whenever he sees the floor. So as a mid-tier option, I absolutely love him. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, it's... It's very much what you believe this uh, game script is looking like. Uh, Sacramento is only favored by four over here. It's if it's a close game, you know he's going to be getting that kind of usage. 8200 is actually a pretty good price tag for what De'Aaron Fox has done on a consistent basis. Anytime uh, he gets even half decent as far as his um, his efficiency is concerned, because we know that's his shot totals are always going to be there. He's had no less than 20 field goal attempts in any of the last uh, four games, and he's been shooting it really well in all of those ones. So. Uh, you know his floor is going to be incredibly secure. I think at 8,200, he's probably one of my uh, one of my favorite point guards in terms of value that's coming out there. And yeah, that's probably my major area. Harrison Barnes is someone I never fault anyone for going by taking. He's never a sexy pick, but he's always incredibly solid. He's hit that same kind of 30 to 40 consistently over the last five games and in fact, make that the last eight games. So, you know, you know what you're going to get with him if your lineup happens to go uh, with him at the end. I think you can just count that as a rock solid 5X pretty much every night he plays. Yeah, no, I can't fault you. Um, I think Darren Fox, definitely someone in my player pool. Uh, I never play Harrison Barnes. You know that. I don't think I'm going to go the Davion Mitchell route, though, just knowing that the minutes were down so much and it's, it doesn't really shock me. Like the additions of two wings that play his position, it looks like he might solely just be playing, you know, backup point and then a couple minutes at the at the two. But DiVincenzo being in that lineup now, that hurt him. DiVincenzo cut in, played almost 20 minutes. Justin Holiday is going to hurt him. So it's just I don't know if the minutes are going to be quite there, and it doesn't look like they're going to be going extremely small ball anymore because they're still consistently now that Harkless is back in the lineup playing him at the four. So that's relegating, you know, Barnes down to the three for a majority of his minutes. So it just doesn't seem like those guard minutes are necessarily there. But I'm with you on Fox. I'll even have some Sabonis shares. Um, you know, I had a ton of them in that last slate. Didn't really pan out the way I wanted to, but it could. It should have, realistically. He only took nine shot attempts, and he shot almost 80% from the field. If he takes a few more shot attempts, he's crushing that. I mean, he's crushed the Nets twice already this season, putting up over 52 DK points in both those. So, I mean, I, I got a ton of interest in those two guys, and I wouldn't mind Harkless as a dart throw at 4,300. Just know that he's very up and down. We're not going to get these 30-point games out of him every single night. Uh, it could easily be 17. It can easily be 35. Uh, he's just somewhere in the middle is where he usually falls, but at that price tag, I don't mind taking a stab. Uh, on the Brooklyn side of things, this is where things get a little bit tricky. Now, looks like that there's a decent chance Andre Drummond looks like he's going to be able to. He's not, on the, he's not on the injury report, so it looks like he will make his debut. Seth Curry will make his debut. 
So this is going to impact this guard rotation and obviously the big man rotation. Now, who draws the start? Your questions, you know, your guess is as good as mine because Aldridge is also back in this. Claxton is also back. So now they have three bigs that they could choose to opt to play. Um, I'm going to mostly probably be looking at the guard position between Seth Curry, Cam Thomas, both those guys. Very similar price tags, both in the player pool. I have a ton of interest in both of them. I'm probably going to go lean a little bit more Seth just because I think he'll be lower owned. People aren't going to know his role. Shooting guards and good shooters tend to just absolutely crush the Kings. Now, maybe Justin Holiday changes that a little bit. He is a little bit better defensive than some of these other guys that they had in the past. He's a little bit more long. But I'm probably going to lean heavily on those two guys for the most part. And if you wanted to take a stab at Drummond, I think you know if we see he's drawing the start, things change. You play Drummond, no doubt about it. Uh, but it gets a little tougher not knowing what that starting center rotation is going to look like. Yeah, agree completely. I think that center rotation has so many potential guys that they can go ahead and throw out there that it just makes me worried about who's going to be actually able to play a little more than 20 minutes. Even if, in my mind, even if Drummond wants to draw the start, I don't know what kind of a leash he'll have right off the bat as well. So it's uh, something of a wait-and-see approach for me. But Seth Curry was definitely my top pick over here. Uh, regardless of it being his first game here, they're going to need him right away into high usage. He'll probably be handling a lot of the point duties just because he's been doing that really well on the on Philadelphia when he got the opportunity there, and they're just really lacking in pure on-ball handlers in this team right now. And Cam Thomas is just going to be there to keep shooting, and you know, both those guys are going to be absolutely in place. Seth, a little bit more so for me. OKC traveling to New York, taking on the Knicks for the injury report. We're looking at the Knicks. R.J. Barrett has been ruled out. Derrick Rose is ruled out. Nerlens Noel, Cam Reddish, Mitchell Robinson, all questionable for the Thunder. Shea, Muscala, Jeremiah, Robinson, Earl, all ruled out. Vegas has a set of 206.5 game total. New York favored by 9.5 points. Talk about Thunder. Yeah, and the Thunder have been interesting, to say the least, ever since uh, Shea went out. Other than Darius Baisley and Josh Giddy, there's really been a little as far as consistency. Lou Dort obviously has been playing quite well. By and large, but I just wait for him to have you know a really bad uh, shooting night where the ancillary stats don't happen to help him out. In the last game, he got saved by the fact that he had 14 free throw attempts that went ahead and brought that back easily a season high for him. So don't necessarily expect that to happen. I do think he's priced just a little too high for a guy who doesn't get too much outside of what he usually does. So uh, really, it comes down to, again, game script for me. I don't necessarily like this game. It's probably my least exposed game as far as this entire slate's concerned as you said 206 points total not all that exciting to be able to go ahead and throw out there but the fact of the matter is okc really don't have all that many weapons that you can truly rely on both uh, pokushevsky trey man these guys are getting minutes are getting opportunities to potentially be able to actually do well but then you see last game pokushevsky only played 15 minutes and uh, only shot 205 while trey man as well got 25 minutes but only shot three of 11 so it's just one of those situations that I would much rather avoid. There's better options out there. If there's any exposure that I'd like to get in here, it'd probably be with Josh Giddy. But even then, it's uh, it's a question mark of whether I want to spend that uh, over for him or save a little bit of that money and go with some of the studs that are coming up in this in this slate. Yeah, I don't see myself spending up crazy here on Giddy either. I wouldn't mind taking a snap at Dort, 6,200, back in that lineup. The shot attempts came right back there. The minutes were right back there in that last one. Uh, we expect this dude to probably lead the team in shot attempts on a night-to-night basis with no shade in that lineup. So knowing that he's going to have that usage, he's still always floating around that low six range. I'll keep him in my player pool. I think Kendrick Williams is another guy to keep an eye on at 4,500. He's been playing a consistent role uh, somewhere in the mid-20s minutes. It seems like over the past four games, even some of those touching on 30. And in all those games, he's put up no less than 22.5 DK points and with two games uh, over 30. So 
another guy to look at. He's probably in that Harkless range. You heard me say there's always a lot of guys. feels like two or three guys in every single range that I'm looking at tonight. Uh, Pakovsky, we saw the minutes dip right back down. You know, it's the worry that you have when playing him. They can yank him any minute, and if something's working, they're not going to play him. You know, and it looks like Baisley had his had his games over the past two. Uh, don't really want to chase those necessarily in this matchup. Had 21 shot attempts in that last game. Not going to have that kind of usage all at all times, but he's been putting a versatile stat lines, which increased floor. I still think I prefer Door over him. Uh, on the Knicks side of the ball, Julius Randle coming in at 9,600. Uh, I like this matchup for Randall. I really do. I think that he can absolutely smash here. He's been on a tear at 9,600. I think I actually prefer him over Sabonis. It's tough because that other game is a better game script. It's better game line, better everything else. So the only the only times I'll probably will end up falling on Randall too too much is if I am playing a Dort in that lineup and I wanted to run it back with somebody. But in all honesty, he's probably the only guy I'm really even looking at on this team. And if we do see that both Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson are look uh, are ruled out, I'll like him even more. But that would also put somebody like, you know, Taj Gibson in play, who played 27 minutes in that last one. Uh, only 3,100. He's never going to give you much more than 25 DK points. But if you need the value, he's there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you with Julius Randle. I think he's the only guy who's getting that consistent usage, getting that consistent uh, focus as far as his uh, his entire stat line is concerned. Has had no less than uh, 20 shot attempts in either of his last five games. Since RJ Barrett's gone out, it's pretty much been a one-man show, him trying to keep the Knicks afloat. Not necessarily working all that well, but hey, you know he's going to get his usage regardless. The only other area that I may have potential interest in is in Quentin Grimes. He got his opportunity to start last game. He started two straight games now. Had a great one in the last in the last one where he happened to hit five threes as well. But more so than that, it's just purely the minutes total that's interesting to me. At absolutely bargain bottom 3,000, uh, a guy who played 37 minutes last game is likely going to get a chance to start this game, play 30-plus minutes. That's one spot that uh, I'm finding I'm really ending up on when I end up with some of these other guys, and he ends up being the last guy to slot into the lineup. So keep an eye on him. I think that's a solid value play. All right. Fourth game of the night, San Antonio Spurs traveling to Chicago, taking on the Bulls here. Uh, for the injury report, Lonzo, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, uh, Patrick Williams all remain out. Javante Green is questionable, sprained his foot. And then Derek Jones Jr. is probable. And then Kata Bates-Diop is questionable. Goran Dragic, obviously not with the team, expected to be bought out. Probably end up on the Mavs, but I, from what I'm seeing, the Bucks want him as well. Uh, I'm waiting for it, man. I've been saying it all season. I think it's bound to happen, but I mean... I wouldn't blame him. He could either play with his buddy Luca and have some fun for the season, or he can go and probably win a championship with the Bucs. Uh, either way, that Pat Connaughton injury, I guess, kind of opened the door for that. But pass it over to you. Give me your breakdown on the Spurs. Are you spending up on DeJounte? Yeah, that's exactly where it comes down to. It starts and ends with DeJounte, who has been just on an absolute tear the last two games. 80 and 63.75 DK points. It has been a complete stud. I don't think this matchup is anything that could prevent him from getting that as well. Game script has it at 233 total. Uh, highest of the night, if I'm not mistaken, looking at it myself as well. Uh, Five-point spread for them as well. So you know, I expect Shante to get all the usage that he has been getting. Uh, there's that one spot. And the other area that I have found myself looking at pretty consistently, and that's maybe more so because I have him in a lot of my fantasy teams now, it's Keldon Johnson. At 5,800 now, it's actually a slight discount from the uh, 6,000 issues he's been sitting at. Uh, he's just been playing incredibly well, plain and simple. Uh, his Mr. Consistent, as far as the Spurs are concerned, he's getting his uh, 17 shot attempts 
on average in the last four games. Yes, he's got 13 in the last two, but he's getting the opportunity to be a little bit more of a ball handler for him as well, while just having the capability to get you those versatile stat lines, especially now with Derek White on the way out. Devin Vassell has obviously also propelled himself into the starting lineup, but to me, it's really Keldon Johnson that's going to become that second option for them as far as the offense is concerned. So he's definitely in my player pool, one of the guys I'm really interested in. And then, yeah, as I mentioned, Devin Vassell, 5,200, guy who's really gotten the uh, minutes and opportunity, like number one since uh, that trade has happened. And he's just been absolutely versatile as far as the stat line is concerned. He's up to 5,200 now, which is obviously a little bit more than the 4,000s he's been sitting at for the last uh, three games where he's just been crushing it. But it's still a good play to be able to get him. But if I had to choose, I'm going with uh, Keldon. And if that's the case, then DeJounte Murray is probably in the play for me as well. Yeah, I'm looking at Murray and I'm looking at Vassell. I don't mind the Keldon call. Just another one of those guys I don't seem to get right very often. I do like the matchup, just knowing that the most vulnerable spot for against the Chicago team tends to be opposing power forwards, especially if Javante Green sets. We'll probably end up running Derek Jones Jr. out there who can't seem to play long stints without getting hurt. But I think Vassell, Murray, both these guys are both probably priced appropriately. Maybe Vassell should even be about 55, 5,600. I said that in the last pod. Murray's going to be 11K before we know it. He's 11K. There's no doubt about it. And when you're just looking at the overall spend-ups on the slate, I think that he's probably up there um, just based on the game script and everything else. He's probably going to be my preferred option over most of these guys. I don't know if Portland's going to be able to keep it close with Milwaukee. Same thing with Orlando going against Denver, which leaves DeJounte left uh, as one of the lone guys that I have a lot of interest in because I, I never spend up on DeRozan when he's over 10K. So if I'm spending up over that 10K range, he's probably going to be the guy that I go with. But I think there's a couple other guards that are less than 10K who we will talk about that I have a lot of interest in as well. So it's really going to come down to your build. Uh, on the Chicago side of things, not playing DeRozan. You just heard me say that. Uh, I think Vooch at 9,800 is appropriate. Don't get me wrong. Probably not going to go there either. I think there's other center options I just feel a little bit more confident in that can you know, get me 40 to 45, but are also 2 to 3K less. And then Kobe White continues to play decent minutes, uh, absolutely, with no Zach Levine in there. He's put up at least 36 over the past two games. He's worth a stab. But I'm probably just going to end up going down to either AO or uh, Kobe. I think that AO just the assists continue. Anytime he gets given the allotment of minutes, he pays off that price tag. So those are probably the two main guys I'm looking at. But like I said, you know, keep your eye out. If Javante Green sits, it's either going to be Troy Brown. It's either going to be Derek Jones Jr. One of those two guys would throw the start. Uh, don't think I'd have crazy interest in either one of them, though. Yeah, right there with you. Avoiding DeRozan, Vucevic as well. They're both uh, pretty fairly priced. DeRozan probably a little overpriced for what I like. But yeah, Kobe White and Dosunmu are both the guys that would be of interest to me if I am uh, running it back with any of the Spurs on the other end. These guys will be the ones to compensate on this side. All right. Fifth game of the night, Portland Trailblazers traveling to Milwaukee, taking on the Bucks. Uh, for the injury report, let's check out what we got going on over here. For the Bucs, Giannis is probable. Connington, George Hill, Brooke Lopez all rolled out. And then Eric Bledsoe, Joe Ingles, Keon Johnson, Damian Lillard, Nasir Little, Dennis Smith Jr., D.D. Luizita, uh, all rolled out as well. This game looks like it is coming in at a 231 game total. Milwaukee being favored by a whopping 14 points. Talk to me. Yeah, so this was one of those games where I'm like, look, this is going to be a blowout. It's going to be a situation in which it's going to be the uh, end of the bench guys getting an opportunity to play. If there's anyone I want to potentially consider as far as the Portland side is concerned, it'll probably be either CJ Ellaby or Ben McLemore just from uh, the capability of them playing the minutes regardless of what ends up happening, especially LB. Uh, with Josh Hart there, you saw that his minutes did kind of go down, but if this game is going to go the way I potentially expect it to go, they're probably going to be in that uh, 30 to 35 minute range just out of necessity. So 
again, this is more of a dark throw. It's about the game's game script. I'm avoiding all of the main guys on here. Even uh, in normal circumstances, I'd actually have said that I like Justice Winslow in terms of how things have been going for him on the Portland Trailblazers. But against a Milwaukee team that just absolutely dominates everyone, this Portland team is just not going to be able to stack up. And with that note, I am avoiding them all. Yeah, no, you're right. On other circumstances, I would say I love Josh Hart and I love Winslow. Those would be, probably be the two guys I'd be looking at their price tags. But I don't love this matchup, and I don't understand why DraftKings just can't give people the correct position eligibility. Like, he's been playing power forward every single game he's been with Portland, yet he has point guard and small forward eligibility. <laughs> uh, makes no sense to me. Absolutely no sense. And now Josh Hart's primarily playing shooting guard, but they don't give him shooting guard eligibility. Uh, I don't get it. They've been doing it all year, especially, like, you know, when they started playing – uh, what was a LeBron only at yeah, LeBron center? Yeah, I mean, I mean, come on. I get it. He was playing center for three games. Uh, you can do that. You'll change him in three seconds flat, but you can't get this guy the correct position eligibility is beyond me. Uh, same thing goes over there with Milwaukee. If I'm not interested in any of the big hitters. It's just that simple. I don't trust the minutes. Um, I think it's going to be a blowout relatively quickly, and then we're going to see all the starters get limited. So with that being said, I'm probably ready to move on unless you want to touch on them. No, no, let's move on. This is uh, one game. It's nice to have a game where you can scratch it out and uh, hope for the next one. All right. This one a little bit more exciting. Your Toronto Raptors traveling to New Orleans, taking on the Pels. Uh, this one's probably going to be one that's very fantasy friendly. Uh, but for the Pelicans, Zion, Larry Nance Jr., Kara Lewis Jr., all ruled out. And the Raptors look like they are good to go. No real injuries to talk about over there. This game's coming in at a 218.5 game total. I actually thought it might have even been a little bit higher. Uh, Toronto being favored by two. Talk about your Raptors. Yeah, and that uh, Denver game previously was a heartbreaker of a loss. And I was uh, I was surprised that we, or not surprised, it was unfortunate that we weren't in the pot at that time because I would have said, hey, Trent hit 7,000 in that one. So at this point, I'm going to be iffy to go ahead and pick him. And he didn't uh, have a great one in that one. But hey, he's back down to 6,500. So you know exactly where I'm going with that. Anytime below 7K, he's just that important to the starting lineup. And really, it's, uh, it's unfortunately been OG that's kind of seen uh, his stock can drop off over the last couple of games now. And I actually think he's in a decent spot to kind of get himself right at 6,400. I believe that's a bit too cheap for what he has been doing consistently throughout the season. It's just his offense that it's got to get back to normal. And the fact that he is now dropped below 7,000 into that 6,400 range gives me a pretty good spot to be able to go ahead and run in with him. I don't think anyone on the Pelicans uh, really is going to be out there with him. They don't have that Josh Hart anymore to be able to chase him out there. In- Ingram is not going to be focused on him. He's probably going to be focused more on Siakam. So uh, if he's got CJ on him, man, CJ is an absolute pylon. I would love to see OG just dominate that matchup. So for that, uh, he's probably the main guy other than Gary Trent that I'm looking at for the Toronto Raptors here. I mean, you know what I'm going to say. It's a point guard going against Devontae Graham. Uh, I'm good with Van Vliet. I'll take him. Price tag's 88. It's where he's been. He's very fair. Uh, but anytime there's a point guard going against either Trey Young or Devontae Graham, I am going to have interest in them. We've seen the past, I think it was like five point guards, just like pretty much get like almost some of their best games of the season. I think Murray's coming off of a 60-plus game. Kyle Lauer, the game before that, put up a triple-double for like 57 DK points. Van Vliet already crushed him once this season for a cool 50 DK points. So at 8,800, I'm going to have interest in pretty much, again, anybody going against him. But Van Vliet also gives you the extremely comfortable floor that you love to see where he's never given you, you know, burner games uh, that are going to sit there and, you know, pack it in your lineup very early. But I like him. 8,800 has shooting guard eligibility, so it makes it easy to build with as well. Sign me up. And then, like you said, I don't mind looking at some of these other options. It's going to be a great matchup for all the Raptors. But it's just tough when they're all healthy, man. It's you know you know the two guys that you can always count on are going to be Siakam, Van Vliet. You're going to also throw Gary Trent Jr. into that. You know my take on him. 
Uh, I missed out on the 60. I didn't miss out on your tweet, though. I did see that. <laughs> yes. I did see that. But uh, I, I'm not going to sit there and, and try to play him. If I'm playing one guard, it's going to be Van Vliet for me. Uh, on the Pelicans side of the ball, I'm not touching Ingram at 8,700. McCollum, I don't know how his price tag hasn't rose yet after that two straight games of at least 21 shot attempts. Granted, the last one, he had the 11 boards. That's not very common. A uh, guy that averaged pretty much around that four rebound, four to five rebounds throughout his career. But this dude's going to have to pretty much do a lot for this team, whether it's handling the ball, playing on offense, shooting probably 20 shots a game. Sign me up. I'm good at that price tag at 7,900. I don't mind it. Do you think he draw? You said you think he draws the OG, or do you think he's? I think they're gonna. He's gonna be on Trent most of the game, offensively and defensively. I just think that that matchup makes a little bit more sense. But you tell me. Do you think OG gets a little time on him? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's one of the, especially on him on the defensive end. I think they're gonna have OG run straight on at CJ all night to try and throw him off. That's why I'm kind of avoiding CJ as far as my picks because if OG is defending him all night, CJ is not gonna have a good night shooting the ball, and that's been consistent as far as uh, back when he was on Portland as well. OG just loves getting that defensive matchup in general uh, against the top uh, offensive option on the other end. The guy I am interested in is uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Again, 7,700, a revenge game for him as it always is. Still unhappy about the fact that he never got a ring given to him when we traded him away that year to get Marcus All. But I saw in the one game he had earlier in the year as well, dropped 47 DK points on him. Uh, we continue to have, I say we as in the Raptors, we continue to have uh, struggles against opposing centers. It's just been one of those things where it's uh, Siakam's forced to play center, but he's again more of a more of a power forward, more of a small. You'll move out of there instead. We'll go ahead and throw in a Kem Birch or a Chris Boucher to try and handle a little bit more of the um, of the Jonas Valanciunas side of things. But yeah, I expect him to have a big game uh, with this game staying close. I expect him to be highly involved with the offense as well. It gets up to 30 minutes. I think this is an easy spot to be able to take him at this price tag. Well said, my friend. He's another guy that I like as well. It's him and CJ. Uh, who I end up landing more on. Probably not going to be as much CJ, though, because I still, like I said, we talked about a few guards, and I do want to play Van Vliet at shooting guard if I could. Uh, Jonas loves his revenge narrative. Big revenge guy. I uh, didn't know that that whole ring thing, though. I didn't know that they gypped him. That's kind of messed up. Yeah, yeah, it was unfortunate. It was, the, like, the trade happened at the trade deadline itself, and then they were just talking about, like, oh, you know, there's only so many rings, blah, blah, blah that we wanted to give out. And, Drake got uh, one. I, Drake got one, I bet. Uh, yeah, I would have, honestly, this is, like, a long-time debate. I think we still would have won the ring without uh, without getting the Marcus All trade, because I love JV, but in the end, it is what it is, and it is what happened. <laughs> uh, we'll move on. Orlando traveling to Denver. Uh, taking on the Nuggets for the Nuggets. Monte Morris is questionable alongside of Zeke Naji. Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray remain out, but it looks like they may be back before the season is over. And then for the Magic, Ball Ball, Markel Fultz, RJ Hampton, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Wagner have all been ruled out. This game looks like it's coming in at a 224.5 game total. Denver being favored by 12, the second highest spread up on the night. Talk about the Magic, if anybody. Uh, I don't know if that is a segue into what I think about it, but you tell me. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're you're exactly on the mark here. It's just there's not too many people in general on the Magic that I've liked overall. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. has probably been the only gun I've been trusting on a relatively consistent basis. But even then, there's just other options that are there in that price range that we've already spoken about as a forward that I would probably end up liking more just given how things are working out. Or I'd find a way to cheap out and spend more on someone in the stud range. So by and large, I'm, I'm avoiding most of the Magic here. Uh, I, I do think just from a regular standpoint that someone like Franz Wagner and Mo Bamba are a bit too cheap for what they can do and what they really should be doing on a consistent basis. But uh, in terms of Wagner, he's just been really struggling offensively and not getting the kind of shot attempts as a result of that. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of them have been going away now to Jalen Suggs instead, who had a great game in the last one against Phoenix. That was also in a blowout. So if this is still going to be a blowout, maybe you want to take that shot on him and uh, see what he can do, because he does have that kind of upside if his shot gets going. But like I said, by and large, there's just other more consistent options and more uh, options I feel comfortable with going. So I'm just avoiding most of the magic here. Yep, same here. Uh, it's a tough matchup. Also, they're traveling into Denver. We know that any team traveling into Denver with that altitude tends to have a little bit of problems. So a lot of the times it's tough for me to you know, feel confident in a lot of big centers going into Denver, guys that might have, I don't want to say conditioning problems, but it's harder to catch your wind up there, uh, catch your breath. But nobody for Orlando for me. On the Denver side of the ball, I'm really not interested in too much over here either. If we do happen to see that you know, Monte Morris is not out of the protocol and can't play, I don't mind going back to Bones Highland. I talked about him on the last show. A lot of people got burned by him in that first one. But the big thing that came out of that game was what Malone said after was that he should have played him more. He needed to get him more involved. He should have played him the few more extra minutes. He ended up following game playing 24 minutes and then coming out there and shooting uh, four of 11, hit three three-pointers. So nine of those came from deep uh, of, of his 11 shot attempts. But most of all, played some serious crunch time minutes and ended up doing okay. 21 and a half DK points. I think that he's capable of doing better than that. We've seen him put up some, what, 30 DK point DK lines in 18 minutes before. It's just all about whether the shot's going to fall. So I, I, he's probably the one guy that I have any interest in. And with any time that you're going to mention him, you can also mention Capazzo because they're pretty much splitting the minutes up right down the middle. So depending on Morris's health, those two guys. Yeah, those crunch time minutes are exactly it. And I mean, he happened to hit the three that uh, put him up for good against uh, Toronto at the end over there. So clearly they trust him to be able to take those shots. I do think Bones Highland is a big project for him. Talked about him in the past. His minutes have been up and down as a result. But yeah, clearly he is going to be a part of this. And especially given the fact that uh, you spoke about Monte Morris, but in general, they're just really lacking in guard play as of late. Will Barton's really been struggling uh, as far as his uh, offense is concerned for the last couple of games. So if that continues to be the case, you're going to see them go a little bit more to Bones. To be also at that uh, 3,900 range, if I'm going for someone as a dart throw there, I actually go back to uh, Quentin Grimes again. I think at 3,000 is a, a better option just given the kind of minutes I expect him to get. But I wouldn't fault you for going with a GPP play like him. All right. Only two games left. Houston traveling to Utah, taking on the Jazz. For the injury report, Houston's missing. No one's major, but Eric Gordon is probable. And then for the Jazz, Rudy Gay remains out. Gobert and Pascal are questionable. It sounds like Gobert is getting a little bit closer, but who really knows? Something to keep an eye on, obviously. Uh, this game looks like it's coming in at a 229.5 game total, Utah being favored by 13.5. Uh, actually, so that last game was the third highest chance of a blowout, this one being second right next to that whopping 14-point spread that we saw with Portland and Milwaukee. Talk about Houston. Yeah, and if, if there's one thing about Houston, though, is that they just plain and simple don't have enough quality players to be able to really get others out there if a blowout is happening, whether they're or not. So Kevin Porter Jr. just continues to be a guy that uh, I do find myself taking quite often, uh, regardless of what the result is. I mean, they lost by 19 to Toronto in their last game. He still had the uh, capability to play 36 minutes, put up 49 DK points in that as well, 40 in the game before that. So he's on a, a pretty decent heater right now. Uh, his price tag has gone up slightly as a result of that. But again, Utah isn't the greatest matchup, plain and simple. Uh, we know how good they can be defensively, but the other thing we do know is that they play with pace. So there is going to be a lot of possessions in the game in general, and Kevin Porter, who's never been the beacon of efficiency, but he does love taking his shots. So if uh, if I find myself landing on him, I have no problem going with that. Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, I've spoken about it in the past. From a GPP standpoint, Jalen Green's the only one I ever really look at as long as he stays in that sub-5,000 range. 
he's got a pretty safe floor, so it's not like he'll ever burn you as far as the lineup's concerned. But you know, you're always just hoping for that one uh, one blowout game or blow up game for him to really get to that like 40 range he had against Cleveland. Don't necessarily expect it, but I think he's in a position to potentially be able to do that. So he's always in play for me. Yeah, the only other guy I think I'd mention would be a straight GPP only play, which would be Dennis Schroeder. Uh, now that he's in town, he's expected to join the team. He's expected to be with them. He's only 4,300. We have no idea what this guy's role is going to be, but I imagine they're probably going to play him at least 20 minutes. It could end up being a situation where he ends up playing somewhere in the mid-20s going forward. Uh, who really knows? Uh, they don't really have any incentive to play any of these guys outside of their young guys. But being a new guy on the team, he's not crazy old. Uh, you know what I mean? They might be a piece that they end up wanting to use in the future. Can play a little bit of the backup one and backup two behind Porter Jr., who sometimes gets himself foul trouble. I don't mind taking a stab at him, but not something that I would say build your lineup around. Don't feel crazy confident about it because we, we just don't know. Uh, it's not like he's stepping into a role necessarily. He's kind of just taking a role when he comes over here. But uh, on the Utah side of things, I, the spread has me thinking that Gobert does play. 13 and a half. I imagine this would probably be somewhere around like the 10 point spread range if he wasn't playing, but something to monitor. If he ends up sitting, I think Whiteside, you got to just feel confident in him at 5,900. He's had two monster games in a row now. The rebounds, we know this guy's capable of, even in limited minutes. Not very good in real life defense, but as long as he's playing at least 28 minutes, he's got the capability of putting up 50 DK points. It's just that simple. So going against this Houston team where, like you said, they're going to chuck and they're not good. I like it. Uh, but again, Gobert has to sit. I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to go to Mitchell. I think at 9,200, I'd rather play Fred Van Fleet. Just not all that confident in this actual game, staying close. If Gobert plays, if Gobert sits, I think that we could feel confident in Mitchell, knowing that it'll probably be not competitive, but it'll be a little bit more competitive. Yeah, I agree completely. The only question to me is that Rudy Gobert question. So if he's out, Whiteside becomes an automatic play for me. As you said, they're gonna they're gonna chuck. You could probably get a twenty rebound game here again without having to do much. Just stand underneath the basket because Houston is uh, a problem as far as shooting is concerned, and not in the good way. All right, final game of the night: Golden State Warriors traveling to L.A. to take on the Clippers. Check the injury report here: Golden State, Draymond Green, Iguodala. James Wiseman, Quindary Weatherspoon all rolled out. And then for the Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Norman Powell. As we saw, Norman Powell broke his foot. Uh, Jason Preston, Jay Scrub all rolled out. Luke Kennard is questionable dealing with ankle soreness. Uh, I was at that game on Saturday, and Luke Kennard looked like trash. I know that he doesn't look like trash every game, but I didn't see the ankle injury happening watching the game. Uh, but he was just getting torched on defense, getting real. like I think he had like four or five fouls on him before the fourth quarter. Uh, he just could not stay on the court, but maybe the ankle was bothering him, and that may have been why he was a step behind. Now for the game total, we're looking at 221.5, Golden State being favored by 5.5, which is a little shocking to me. But they're without Draymond still, so that could be the answer right there. I'll let you talk about the Warriors. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. In general, the Warriors just haven't been the kind of team to really blow guys out ever since uh, the Draymond uh, injury happened. So they just find themselves in close games more often than they should. And the Clippers at home have shown themselves to be super pesky, regardless of how things happen. But uh, given that, I mean, what can be said about Steph Curry? He's always in play, but it's just one of those matchups that... I just I just don't know if I necessarily trust him in in away games as much as I trust him at home. It's just kind of been a thing for me overall. I find that he shoots worse in those games. It's shown again in this season as well. And 
just uh, given the other opportunities, you spoke about Fred Van Vliet uh, earlier. I honestly think he'd be getting more uh, just raw DK points than uh, Steph Curry in this matchup. So I'm actually avoiding him here. Uh, Clay Thompson, though, I've been consistently playing him ever since his uh, minutes limit has been said to be 30 minutes, and it's been paying off well for me. Uh, three straight, well, four straight games now in which he's done well, even with that first Sacramento one, which I threw as a as a dart throw because you know Sacramento is where he made his legend. But in general. I think at uh, at 30 minutes, at the fact that he's getting up to 17 to 22 field goal attempts a game, I think this is a great spot for him to be able to continue to hit his value. I think it, much like the carry trend situation, until he gets past 7,000, I'm finding that these kind of shooting guards with that kind of a shot buffet are a, a pretty good spot to be able to go pretty consistently. Uh, the other side is uh, Jonathan Kamingo, who just continues to be more involved as far as the offense is concerned. And more so than that, I mean, we've seen the last two games, his rebounding has gone up as well. It got all the way up to nine in the last one. Don't necessarily see that being a consistent thing, but in general, he's been getting close to that 30 minutes mark. In the last game, he had five fouls against the Lakers, which kind of limited him, but he was having a great game offensively shot eight of 11 there. So, you know, there's a lot to like as far as he's concerned. Uh, Power forward eligibility at 4,600. Sign me up. Yep. Those are the two guys I was looking at, Clay and Kaminga. Kaminga has just been quietly very sneaky around the rim whether it's on the rebound again, finishing at the rim. He's been just overall fantastic. Uh, very young, bright spot for this team in the future. Now, does he end up being a trade chip? I don't know. Uh, but he's got a bright future regardless of where he plays. And then for the Clippers, uh, a couple guys I have my eyes on. I mean, Terrence Mann at 4,300, uh, played 34 and a half minutes last game, played 31 minutes the game prior, both those games against Dallas. But it looks like with no Norm Powell, his role should be consistent going forward. No issues looking at him. Uh, and then if you wanted to take a stab at like a guy like Amir Coffey, another guy that should see the benefit of that play 30 minutes against Dallas in that last game, I'd prefer Terrence Mann over him for only $500 more. But those are the two main guys that I have interest in outside of them. Probably not going to be going too crazy anywhere else. I can see both those guys having decent roles in this matchup. And then if you wanted to take a stab at Morris, sure. But the ancillary stats just haven't been there recently. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Terrence Mann is the main guy that I had circled over here. And I, I do think with the uh, Norman Powell injury, we're going to see a little bit more of Amir Coffee as well at uh, sub 4,000. I think he's in a decent spot to be able to go ahead and produce as well. Uh, didn't get uh, the kind of shot attempts that we have kind of seen when he had uh, his role earlier, but I think we'll be seeing that go up a little bit more. And uh, you know, with that 30 minutes buffet, I'm okay with uh, going about taking him, Terrence Mann being the first guy. All right, my friend, that wraps everything up. Let's go to our player tier segment. Give me your top tier spend up. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of guys that uh, I feel pretty confident about, but I usually don't say this, but I think Randall at 9,600 is going to be the guy that I end up uh, going with just purely. I don't like the matchup. I've said it before in that OKC New York Knicks one, but he has been, regardless of what matchup it is, playing high 30 as far as minutes are concerned, shooting 20 times a game, and his rebounding totals just continue to go up. There's just so many ways in which he's able to get his DK points that uh, until he really throws a stinker at me, I'm going to have to continue going with him, and uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about this matchup as well. All right. I'm probably going to go with your boy, Freddie Van Vliet, 8,800. Uh, price tag is fair. We're not really getting a discount on him. I just love this matchup. Uh, you'll hear me say it until I'm blue in the face at this point. Uh, I love, I love, I love this matchup. I was thinking Murray might have been the other guy. I was, I was tossing and turning between them. Uh, but at the end of the day, that discount might come in handy when you're looking for some other pieces. and might be the, the reason you could afford a Julius Randle and in another spot. But how about your mid-tier? Yeah, and the mid-tier, I'm going to stick with a big guy here as well. We spoke about Jonas Valanciunas earlier, and that's exactly where I'm going. 
Uh, it's a matchup that he has consistently dominated. It's a position that the Raptors continue to struggle against. And the revenge team that matchup that we just keep speaking about, uh, he just never has bad games against the Raptors. He gets up for him and I expect the Pelicans to keep this competitive with the new te- new look team that they have playing at home. So sign me up for some JV. I'm going to go with Seth Curry here at 5,400 in his debut with Brooklyn going against Sacramento. They get burned by shooting guards every day of the week. Uh, just knowing that he's also got that small forward eligibility surely helps as well. So he will be my pick. And then your value play. Yeah, and this is where I've been kind of moving around because there's when I think value play, it's who who do I think is most likely to go ahead and hit uh, at least 6x for me. And honestly, with all things working out, I'm going back to Quentin Grimes. I spoke about, I spoke about it earlier. If you can get a guy who's going to be guaranteed to play 30 plus minutes in the um, in the lineup as it is, he's likely going to keep starting. Has had uh, has had more and more usage thrown his way. I got up to 10 shots in the last one. So for 3,000 guy playing 35 plus minutes, sign me up with some Quentin Grimes. So now I was tossing and turning too because I was between two guys in that low to mid four range, and that was Raul Neto, and that was Trey Mann. Uh, not Tam- Trey Man. I'm sorry. That's the wrong man. Terrence Man. Um, I think both those guys are absolutely rock solid. I just don't know what's going to happen with Washington and whether or not they do end up starting ish or not. Uh, regardless, I think until we know, and I'm just going to assume Neto draws the other start at 4,400 in this matchup against Detroit. I like him a lot. I can see him finishing this game with two to three steals. It just feels like this is a nice little game script for him to kind of rack up the steals. We see that happen few and far in between, but when he does, he does. Shot hasn't been falling for him in that last one, but just a very, usually, I wouldn't say very, but pretty rock-solid, efficient type guard who's just going to take the good shots that are given to him. He's never going to go out there and chuck 15 or 16 of them, but a guy that can easily shoot 60-70% on 9 or 10 shots, rack up 4 or 5 boards, 4 or 5 assists, uh, end up finishing with a rock-solid line. So I will go with Mr. Neto. And then your Thrive Fantasy pick of the night. Yeah, so for Thrive, I think there's a couple of uh, rock-solid options that we can go ahead and look at. Um, And the one, I was trying to see one where I really saw a lot of upside, but I know you said Fred Van Vliet is who you're going with as kind of your main guy, but I'm actually going to go ahead and say that uh, this is a game where he's going to be shooting more and not necessarily use as much. So I'm actually going to be a little contrarian here and say that 8.5 rebounds and assists, he's going to be on the under over here. I know it's a bit of a... Uh, an out there call, but uh, I, I'm actually kind of feeling it for some reason. We'll see how it goes. I hope you're wrong. Uh, certainly, if I'm playing Freddie, I want 30 actual points and 10 assists. Uh, I, I would love to see that kind of game out of him, but I, I'm not expecting that. That would be incredible if he did. Uh, but uh, I listen, man. Ball's in your court. It's your pick. I will not judge you on why you picked it. Uh, definitely, definitely a gutsy one, though, in my opinion. Uh, I'm looking over here. I see a couple of them. I'm interested in the Clay Thompson uh, points, rebounds, assists, 25 and a half. I'll take the over on that. I think he can almost get there with points alone. I can see him getting 20 to 22 points in this one, tacking a few ancillary stats, which he's always good for. Uh, I like that one. It's a cool hundred for the over, cool hundred for the under. I'm taking the over in it. And that's it. That brings us home. That wraps up everything. That is the entire slate. Nine games talked about. We kind of carved it up and made it more of seven. Uh, but that's what you got to do sometimes. Thank you guys always for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Harris, H-A-K underscore, uh, H-A-K underscore devil. Not, you know, I almost shouted out somebody else, man. Uh, H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. And give us a thumbs up, a five star, subscribe wherever you are listening, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, you name it. 
We do appreciate it. If you thumbs up, if you subscribe, if you give us a nice little review, it means a lot to us. Uh, we get some nice comments on Twitter. Always much appreciated for those who do listen uh, and are seeing the benefit of the podcast. It's a first look, you know, getting out there nice and early, start building your lineups, tinkering it with it. That's that's why we do it. We love what we do. We love helping people. We love winning people some money, uh, even on nights that we don't win. As long as I get a nice little cool comment or message sent to me, that makes my night. Uh, anything else you want to leave us with, Harris, though, before we get out of here? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. It's all about uh, the passion for it. And once again, I want to wish everyone a happy Valentine's Day as well. As much as you love fantasy, spend some time with your love tonight as well. Great call, man, because I'm actually going to a comedy show tomorrow night. So if you don't hear from me all night uh, and if you don't see why I'm not probably in Discord that early or that late, it is that's probably the reason. I will get beat with a wooden spoon if I jump on Discord <laughs> on Valentine's Day. It's just it's the way it works, man. Happy wife, happy life. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to be playing DFS. <laughs> it's just the way it works. I gotta ask the permission, man. Uh, no, but seriously, like Harry said, everybody go out there and enjoy it. If you're spending your time with somebody, fantastic. If not, have some fun. Spend it with DraftKings. Spend it with Harris. Yeah, he'll be on those lineups. He'll be crushing it. Uh, I don't, Harris. Are you gonna be in the Discord at all tomorrow? Oh, I mean, I'm. I always kind of sneak my way in there. I find myself answering just random people's questions. But yeah, man, ask questions. Tag me. I mean, I love it when people tag me and ask me things. So by all means, go ahead and do that. And uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just a Discord fanatic. I'll definitely go ahead and reply. I'm there for everything else. Absolutely. So there you go. I just kind of threw in there, Harris, under the bus because I know I'm, okay I'm not, not going to be in there. So, okay. My fault, man. I don't know if you got much going on, but that was on me. All right, guys. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, take care. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll be Santino. It'll be DJ Sammy Caps. Uh, they'll be crushing that Tuesday slate for you. Good luck. <laughs>